Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Hey, I want to welcome you and thank you for joining us online here at Summit Church. I am so grateful that you've taken time out of your day to worship with us. Thank you so much. We really do appreciate it. And I just want to encourage you, uh, maybe you haven't logged on yet to church online. Make sure you log in and join our chat. Engage with what's going on uh, because we want you to be a part. We want you to stay connected today. Uh, take care. Take advantage of all the features that are offered there. I also want to remind you, Growth Track is back. So I'm pressuring you again to, uh, to make sure you are going through Growth Track. So make sure that you do that. You can binge watch Growth Track now if you'd like. So jump on, uh, become a part. Uh, you can go to Next Steps on our website and then uh, register for Growth Track. That is a great thing to do when you've got some downtime so that when we are meeting back again in person, whenever that might be, uh, you are set to go to get plugged in and get connected and find your place here at Summit Church. Lots of things going on, lots of different things happening in our world, and, uh, and I want you to know something. God is in control. Um, God is still sovereign. Uh, he is moving through this and in this, and I want you to do me a favor. I know you, or if you're watching this, you probably love Summit, but there are lots of churches in our community that may be struggling right now, so be praying for the church, the big C church overall, the Bride of Christ that God will move mightily, that God will do some amazing things, that God will provide uh, the resources needed for churches all around our region. And so continue to pray for the churches. Uh, ask other churches, people that, that go to other churches, if there's anything we can do to help, we want to. So let them know that we're in this thing together. I just want to remind you of that. But in spite of everything that's happening, I don't know if I, this is a good thing or bad thing, we're going to continue our series that we started a few weeks ago called Questions Jesus Asked. And we're actually in week five of this series, and we've covered a couple of weeks that are, are so appropriate for where we're at today. During week three, I believe, uh, we asked the question, Jesus asked the question, why are you so afraid? And uh, that's a fantastic message for this season we're in. If you haven't listened to that, please go back and listen to it. But really what we're doing is just going through the questions that Jesus asked his followers and looking at why he did it and how they apply to us today. And so that's really what we're going to do over these next few minutes. Uh, and we're going to start in John chapter 6 tonight. And I, I, I said this to you a few weeks ago when we were talking through communion, um, that in John chapter 6, there's this really interesting passage where Jesus talks about eating my flesh and drinking my blood and taking out of context, it's hard to, it's hard to understand what he's really talking about. But let me start all the way back. John chapter 6, the very beginning, Jesus feeds the 5,000. All these people are there. They're hungry. He feeds them uh, miraculously. Uh, after this, Jesus walks on water. This incredible miracle. The disciples see it. They experience it. And they get to the other side. And when they get to the other side, uh, the people have followed him. And they're hungry. And they're still looking for bread. And Jesus talks to them and he says, hey, Moses received manna from heaven bread from heaven. And he said, I want you to know something. I'm bread from heaven. He said, I am the bread of life. And the people go, yeah, bread. We, we want bread. That sounds good. Give us that bread. And they aren't understanding. And so Jesus then goes on to say, hey, I know you're hungry. You want something to eat, but you, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. That will be your nourishment. And he's not talking literally. He's talking metaphorically. And he's saying, if you hunger, you should be hungering spiritually as well. And so he has this conversation with them, and then 
it kind of goes sideways. In John chapter 6, verse 66, it says this. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? There's another translation that says, are you also going to leave? And so the question that I think Jesus is asking us and he's posing to us tonight is, are you going to leave as well? Are you also going to leave? Now, in times like this, it's easy to go, no, I would never leave because things are going on around us. It's kind of chaotic. We're wondering what the future holds. And it's easy for us to go, no, 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 Jesus, we're in. But, but what we see here is it wasn't the case for, for his followers. Uh, this word that we translate as go away can also be translated as turn back. And what it means is um, you journeyed with someone for a while and then you decided to turn away for whatever reason. You turn back. You go back the other direction. And what we see here, it's interesting because it says after this, many of his disciples, it wasn't many of the people that were around, many of the people that were in the crowd. It was many of his disciples, people that had said, Jesus, I'm committed to you. Jesus, I want to follow your way. Jesus, I, I want to live my life like you do. I want you to be my teacher, my rabbi. These are the people that came to Jesus and said, this is a little uncomfortable. This is a little, this is a little out of our our range here, Jesus. Jesus, you're leading us someplace. I'm not sure we want to go. And so people who had once committed to Christ are now saying, you know what, Jesus, maybe this is more than I bargained for. Maybe this is more than I would like to give or be a part of. And people that had once committed themselves are now saying, no, that's a bridge too far for us. I don't know that we can give that much. I don't know that we can do that much. I don't know that we can go there. And so what they ended up doing is they ended up going away. And in our context today, many people go away. Sometimes we think about people leaving a church and maybe it's dramatic and there's fireworks and unfortunately we've had people leave our church. Uh, every church in America has had people leave their church for whatever reason. And we've had people leave our church. Sometimes they kind of drift away. Sometimes they're upset about something and they leave. Uh, but, but I'm not even talking about that tonight. What I'm really talking about is the person who leaves Christ but doesn't leave the church. Because I want you to know something. You can go away from Christ while still showing up to church every week, watching the live stream, whatever it might be. You can be committed to church without being committed to Christ. And that is a problem for us because Jesus wants you to love him supremely. He wants your heart more than he wants you just to be committed to showing up to the building, to a church, showing up to a live stream, whatever it might be. And so I want to challenge you tonight that Jesus wants your heart. Just because you're a part of a church does not mean that you're walking with Jesus. See, many things can cause us to go away from Jesus. Uh, we see this in scripture over and over and over because the fact is Jesus said some things that made people uncomfortable. He said some things at times that were somewhat inflammatory. And I want to share a few of those things with you tonight because why not? Let's, let's say some inflammatory things that Jesus said. How about it? In Matthew chapter 15, Jesus did something that today would get him canceled. Uh, he actually called a woman a dog in scripture. And I won't read the whole story to you, but it's in Matthew chapter 15, verses 22 through 28. And Jesus and his disciples are going along, and there was a Canaanite woman. She was not Jewish. 
and she approaches Jesus and she identifies him as the son of David and she asks for mercy and his disciples, he doesn't at first respond and his disciples, they are uncomfortable with this and they basically, they say, send her away. Like, we don't like this. We're uncomfortable with this. She shouldn't even be around us. And they say, send her away. And Jesus says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, Jesus is saying here, I was sent only for the Jews, not for everyone else. Now, we know that now is not the case, that Jesus came for all. And so Jesus, uh, if I can take some liberty, he was being a little bit sarcastic with his followers here and makes me so happy as someone who likes sarcasm. So Jesus was being a little sarcastic here, and he said, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she, she continued to come to him anyway, and she said, Lord, help me. She has a daughter who is demon-possessed. And it says, it, Jesus says, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now again, this is a statement that in today's world would get Jesus thrown out on his ear. But he is not literally calling her her dog. He, he's testing his disciples. He's testing their biases, if you will, because he knows their hearts. And so her response is fantastic, though. She said, yes, Lord, even yet the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. So she doesn't even break stride. She just acknowledges, you know what? I, I may be a dog, but I still need you to work in my life. I still need your miracle. I still need you to work. Can you help me? And Jesus, then he, he breaks character and he responds and says, Oh woman, great, uh, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And then her daughter was healed. So in this moment, Jesus calls this woman a dog, but he works and brings healing to her life, brings a miracle to her life. See, he was addressing the biases of his followers, the, the stereotypes that they had about women and then non-Jewish women as well. We see in Matthew chapter 18 that he was very serious about sin. In the world we live in today, it's not popular to talk about sin. In fact, even in our church, when I talk about a specific sin, uh, and it will rile some people up. I'll talk about a, a sin that maybe is going on in our world, that maybe God has laid on our hearts to talk about specifically, and, and people will push back on it. It almost doesn't make any difference what sin it is. People, they, they respond in a very... Um, in a very Oh, physical kind of way, like they feel it in their hearts. And so when we talk about sin, and especially if it's a sin that someone struggles with personally, people respond to that. They're offended by that. They, they, they say, we shouldn't talk about that. We, we shouldn't be as direct about that. But I want you to know something. Jesus was very direct about sin. In fact, in Matthew 18, verses 8 and 9, he says, hey, you know what? If your hand causes you to sin, you should chop it off. If your eye causes you to sin, you should gouge it out. Jesus says you should actually gouge out your eye if it's causing you to sin. That's how serious Jesus takes sin. And if Jesus was preaching this message in the world we live in today, there's so many people that would be offended by Jesus. He would not build a following based on a message like this. We would tell Jesus, don't you know, you, you got to soften it. You just got to talk about grace and mercy and love and blessing. And if you do that, then Jesus, everybody will show up. But Jesus was very serious about sin. Jesus made this statement. He said, you should love your enemies, which was totally contrary to conventional thinking at that time. In Matthew chapter five, 
Jesus is going through and saying, hey, here's what conventional wisdom is, but here's what I say. And so what he was doing was taking the law and he was making it even more challenging. So he was taking these, these commonly held beliefs and ideas, and then he was making it even harder for people to, to live their lives that way. And this is one of those statements. He said, you've heard it that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And it's easy for us to say that until we have an enemy or we have someone persecuting us. And that's when we push back and we go, well, I don't want to forgive. I don't want to love those who have been hateful to me, who, those who have been out to get me, those who have, have tried to sabotage me. I don't want to love them. I'm going to love the people who love me. And what Jesus says is just the opposite. No, no, no. You love your enemies. The law says, hey, you love the people who love you and you get even with those who hurt you. Eye for an eye is what the law says, but Jesus said, no, 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 that's not how we live anymore. He's raising the standard. And this is offensive to us. This is hard for us to swallow, especially when we've been hurt, especially when we've been betrayed. Jesus made a statement that is difficult for people then, it was difficult for people now. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is a statement that is offensive to people in our world because so many people want to say all roads lead to heaven and if you're just sincere enough, if you just are good enough, if you're just kind enough, if you're just moral enough, then surely if God is a benevolent, loving God, all roads lead, you're going to be good. If you're just sincere, if you're a sincere Buddhist, if you're a sincere Muslim, if you're sincere whatever your faith is, it's going to be okay. But that is not what Jesus said. In fact, what Jesus said is, I am the way. There is one way and it's through me is what he said. No one comes to the Father. No one has access to God except through me. And again, this is not a popular thing to say because we want something that's kind and gentle and loving for everybody. And and that's just not the truth. What Jesus says is, I am the way. Jesus said that you can't love God and money. And this is not very popular because again, I'll tell you, anytime I talk about money in church, there are people that get a little bit uncomfortable with it. There are people that go, you shouldn't be talking about it. Mind your own business, preacher. And I'm telling you today, Jesus talked about money and possessions a lot because he got in people's business. And he actually said, if you love money more than you love God, then, then you cannot inherit eternal life. It's impossible. You can't serve two masters. And what he's saying is, if, if your affection for your possessions and your money exceeds your affection for God, then you're in trouble. And in the season we're in right now with so much fear and confusion and layoffs and people staying home and stock markets, it's easy for us to identify if we have a love of money or not. And so I want to challenge you right now. If you are gripped by fear because of your income, because of your lack of income, I want to encourage you. I wouldn't tell you to stop being afraid. I would tell you to start trusting God. Just put your faith even more in Christ. Just choose to trust him more. Choose to love him more through this and say, I'm going to let my affection and devotion for Christ exceed my fear of loss, exceed my love of money. When we talk about loving our possessions and our money more than we love God, it doesn't stop there. Jesus actually said, and we talked about this a few weeks ago in Luke chapter 14, he says, you should hate your father and mother. And some of you are like, Fantastic. I got that one nailed. I can't stand them. I don't want to be around them ever. I hate Christmases because I don't want to be around my my family or my in-laws. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. So I want to help you with this. 
He actually says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brother and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciples. And what he's saying is, by comparison, if your affection and devotion for me is not so supreme that by comparison, your love for your wife looks like hate, your love for your kids, your love for your mother and father looks like you hate them compared to how much, how supremely you love me. That's what he's saying. And so what Jesus is saying is there should be no challenge, there should be no competition for your affection, for your heart, for your devotion, that, that you should love me supremely, you should love God supremely above all other things. The last thing I'll mention to you is maybe the one thing that we struggle with more than anything Jesus said. Now, we wouldn't say we do, but the truth is, the season we're in today says that we do. And in some ways, it may not be offensive to you, but it's probably challenging to you. And Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And I want to encourage you, this entire passage is worth reading for where we're at today. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. Because I'm telling you, it speaks to where we're at today. It speaks to the fear that, that we deal with today. It speaks to our worry today. And what Jesus is saying is, do not be anxious. Don't be afraid. Don't worry. And what we see is when Jesus was teaching, people would find a place where they would go, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. And then we would get to a place where Jesus would teach something or lead something. And his disciples would go, ooh, no, that's uncomfortable. No, this is where I've got to get off the train, Jesus. This is where we've got to part ways. This is where I can't go any further. I was with you up till then, but I'm not so sure now. And I'm telling you, some of the things we've talked about already, maybe they were a little uncomfortable for you, but you're like, nope, I'm, I'm on. I'm, I'm good. Let's go, Jesus. And then we get to this part about fear. Do not be anxious. And you go, I don't know about that. And nobody would say they want to be anxious. No one would say they want to be afraid. But maybe right now you're going, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I can go there because I'm really comfortable in my fear. I'm really comfortable in my anxiety. It's interesting because this passage, Matthew 6, 25, it follows a passage we just read a minute ago. It was Matthew 6, 24, where we talked about you can't have two masters. You can't love God and money. And it's interesting to me. Jesus transitions from a talk about money to a talk about being afraid and being anxious. And again, that's exactly where we're at today, where where we're anxious and we're nervous about what we have or what we don't have in our hours and what's it going to look like. But at the end of the day, what Jesus says is, hey, if you trust God to take care of the animals in creation, God loves you so much more. He's going to take care of you. And I want you to hear that today. I want you to know that today. Because this, this passage was not in the context of just our health or well-being. It was in the context of our finances. And so if you're afraid today, if you're anxious today, take heart because you might be saying, I don't know if I can go there, Jesus. You're asking me to trust you with my finances. You're asking me to trust you in lack, but I don't know if I can go there. And you've got a decision to make because Jesus is asking, are you also going to leave? Are you also going to go away? Is that where you are at? Um, I love history. I'm kind of a nerd with history. And uh, I read a story a couple of years ago that I've shared with our staff and we might turn it into a series at some point. Um, 
But there's a story about Julius Caesar. In 50 BC, uh, he was not yet the emperor of Rome. He was simply a governor of a province. And he had an army under him, and he had had some conflict with the Senate. And the Roman senator, uh, the, the head of the Roman Senate, Pompey, um, head of the Roman government, actually uh, called Caesar to come back to Rome because his term as a governor was over. And Caesar knew that if he went back to Rome, he would be killed. And he was ordered by Pompey to disband his army and not to bring them. He was forbidden to bring them past the northern border of the Rubicon River. And this was the northern border of Italy at that time because that would be seen as an act of war. And so what we see is on January 9th, 49 BC, Julius Caesar with his men were camped on the northern bank of the Rubicon River. And Julius Caesar had a decision to make because he knew if I take my men, if I take my soldiers, if I take this army past the river, it surely is going to lead to civil war. But if I don't, if I disband this army and I go back alone, my life will be forfeit. I will die. So he has this difficult decision to make. And history tells us that that night, while he and his men were in his, in his tent preparing for the next day and what was to come, Caesar actually uttered this statement, let the die be cast. And what he was saying is this. The Rubicon River is the point of no return. And we're making a decision. We're going to cross the Rubicon River. And when we do, that's the point of no return. Once we do, we're, we're committed. We are all in. There's no turning back. Because if we cross the Rubicon, uh, we, are, we are dedicating ourselves to battle. We are dedicating ourselves to what's in front of us. So what he was saying is, I am totally committed to what's in front of me. We're going to cross this river and we're going to encounter things that we've never encountered before. We're, in, we're going to encounter hardship. We're going to encounter difficulty. We're going to encounter discomfort. We might even forfeit our lives, but it will be worth it because we're committed to this. And we're moving forward. And this is what I, I love about this story. The commitment that Caesar and his men show. And what we see, history shows us, he was not a he was not a moral, godly leader at all, but this was a man who, um, who, who conquered. He won the battle. He went forward in his commitment. He was committed no matter what was going to happen. And you know what? I think Jesus wants people to follow him with that kind of commitment, with that kind of enthusiasm, with that kind of, of heart that says, no matter what comes, no matter what it looks like, no matter how uncomfortable I may be, no matter how painful it may be, even if I lose my life, Jesus, I am committed to follow you. I'm, I'm going past the point of no return. I'm all in, no matter what it takes, no matter what it costs. I'm yours. When we look at this question Jesus asked in John 6, 67, do you want to go away as well? And he asks his 12 this, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him in verse 68, and he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. I love Peter's response. He says, where else are we going to go? What else are we supposed to do? We've, we've come too far at this point. We've, we've found out who you are. We see who you are. And we know that you are God. We know that you are who you said you are. We believe in you. So we are all in. 
We're committed. We're going to follow you as far as we need to go. No matter what it costs us, no matter what we have to lay down, we're committed. Now, some of you might be watching this right now. Maybe you're listening to this right now. And maybe there's some tension in your heart because you're not that place yet. Maybe you're watching this right now. And there's something in you that you want to be committed in that way, but, but for whatever reason, you're not. Now, I'll tell you this. The thing that Peter said in verse 69, he says, we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And I'll tell you, commitment to Christ begins with you believing. You just simply saying, I believe that you are God. And then in your belief, you're going to grow in that. And you're going to come to know that he really is the one that you can trust, the one that you can be committed to, the one that you can give your life to. There's no reason to turn away. Peter says, once we believed and now we know, we know better than to ever walk away, than to ever turn back, than to ever go away from you. And I believe that's the case. When we come into saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, when we really believe and we really know, there is no turning back for us because we're committed we're all in. So I want to give you that opportunity. If you're watching this and maybe you're a Christian, you're a believer, but you know, maybe your heart wavers at times. You know that, that, that when I was asking those questions, you felt that tension about, oh, I'm, I'm committed, but I'm not sure. I want to encourage you today. Let today be the day that we draw a line in the sand. Let today be the day that we cross the Rubicon together and we say, no matter what comes up, no matter what comes forth, we are committed. I am yours, Jesus, no matter what happens. You are worth the commitment. So if you're watching this right now and you want to make a commitment to Jesus, I want to pray with you. So I want everyone who's watching this, no matter where you're at, just to bow your head and close your eyes. Let me just pray with you right now. Heavenly Father, thank you that you've seen the circumstances, the situation. You know where we're at. You know what's going on. Lord, you know who's in the room with the people that are watching this right now. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would begin to move, begin to draw hearts, and help us see that you are worth following. That, that you're going to take us to challenging places at time, but you are good in spite of that. So God, I pray that you administer in our hearts, draw us to you even right now. And I pray that, Lord, those that don't know you, today would be the day that they would say, I believe. That eventually they'd come to truly know that you are God, that you are the Holy One. So Lord, I pray that you minister in hearts right now. Now with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to encourage you, if you're here today and you're watching this and you're engaged with this moment, um, I want to give you an opportunity to make Jesus Lord of your life. And if you're, if you're watching this on, on the, the live stream, you've got an opportunity. Usually if you're here in the room with us, we're going to have you raise your hand. We're going to have people's head bowed and eyes closed. But I want, to, I want you to do something for me. In the chat section, there's going to be a, a bar that's going to pop up. It's just simply going to say, raise your hand. And when you, when you click on that, uh, it's going to be acknowledging that you are saying yes to Jesus Christ, that I believe that he is Lord, and you're making a commitment to him today. You can also click on the prayer part if you would like, and one of our pastors or one of our hosts are going to come alongside you. They're going to pray with you right there. They're going to agree with you. You can also, after this, hit the connect button at the top of the screen. You can fill out the card and we're going to respond back to you. But it begins with you simply saying, I believe. So I want every person that's watching this right now, no matter where you are, to pray this prayer with me. The word of God tells us if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And so I want you to pray this 
with authority, even if you're in a room by yourself, even if it's two or three of you, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me and thank you for giving Jesus, your only son, to pay the price for my sins on the cross. Today, I believe that Jesus is Lord and he paid the price for me. Help me live a life that brings you glory and help me never go away from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for praying that prayer with us today. If you did pray that, I would love for you to take just a moment. Click that that raise hand button. Let us know. It's a virtual raised hand. And we're going to pray with you. We're going to come alongside you. And what's going to happen is when you respond to us, we're going to get you a a Bible in the mail. We're going to mail it to you. We're going to get you some other resources in the mail to help you begin to grow in your faith. We're going to get you connected to small groups, virtually connected. Uh, We're going to help you do everything you need to do to begin to grow in your faith. If you're watching this today and you're saying to me, Mel, you know what? I'm a Christian, but, but I'm struggling with my commitment. I want to encourage you, take just a moment and let us know. If you want to click right now, you can click at the bottom of the screen on request prayer. If you'll click on request prayer, somebody can come alongside you and pray with you right then. If you want to just send us a prayer need, you can email us prayer at summitpa.church. Let us know about that. And our staff and our prayer team, our prayer chain will get activated. We're going to be praying for your need. But I want you to know something. God is in control. There's no reason to retreat. There's no reason to go away. There's no reason to turn back from him. Let's move forward. Let's say, God, I'm all in with you. No matter what the future holds, no matter what tomorrow holds, we believe that you are in control. Guys, thank you so much for worshiping with us tonight. I love you more than you know, and I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening.